to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Co-founders here today with you, Ryan Balliot and Ben Mandel. Shout out to our friend Taylor Gordy, good friend of the show now for that new awesome intro music. Also check us out on social media at Outsider Sports Network on Instagram, at Outsider Sports 3 on Twitter. Look up Outsider Sports on TikTok and YouTube. And Ben, as the divisional round of the playoffs goes from four games to two in the conference championship round so too does the participants on the show for today's episode we go from four to two dylan and Corey not able to come with on with us tonight that's okay that they got some great stuff going on in their personal lives if you guys want to listen out there to dylan's takes on the conference final round you can listen to his personal show running up the score podcast with dylan mel go give that a great listen but ben how are you feeling going into well, sometimes as often said, this is the some of the best games of football all season is these conference games. Yeah, I said this on Dylan's podcast last uh, two weeks ago that the divisional round is the best weekend of football because you get four games. These are the two best games, though. Do not get it twisted. These are the two best teams of each conference. I think arguably we have the four best remaining teams in the NFL outside of maybe Buffalo and Buffalo's clicking. So really, this should be a very exciting weekend of football, especially with the four teams remaining. These are all powerhouses. We you you cannot say you are surprised to see these four teams here. Even the Philadelphia Eagles, who may not have been a savvy preseason pick, this is a talented football team, and I certainly am not surprised to see any of these four teams still standing on conference championship weekend. Yeah, Ben, no surprise there. I mean, the Eagles have had the best record in the NFL all season. They jumped out to that big undefeated streak to open the season up. The 49ers, they were in the Super Bowl in 2019. 2020, they dealt with some injuries. 2021, right back to the conference championship uh, round. Here they are again. Over on the AFC side, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, nothing else needs to be said. They will always be in contention. This is, I believe, five years in a row that they will be hosting the AFC Championship game. And the Bengals, they're the team playing probably the best football out of these four. They were just in the Super Bowl last year. They haven't lost since Halloween. So, yeah, there are going to be two fantastic games on Sunday. But first, I want to get your quick thoughts here. We're recording this Friday night. Thursday early afternoon, I was sitting, making making some coffee, and I'm wondering to myself, why has there really not been any progress made on the head coaching vacancies around the league? There's still the five of them, the Colts, the Texans, the Broncos, the Cardinals, and the Panthers. And I mean, as we'll see in a minute, but I'm wondering, no one seems to be emerging as a favorite. Second rounds of interviews are kind of coming along. I hadn't heard anything about the Sean Payton sweepstakes. And then I sit down with my coffee and pick up my phone and all right, the first domino has fallen Frank Reich to the Carolina Panthers. What is your take on why did it feel like it was taking so long? And do 
the teams remaining here in the playoffs and their coordinators have anything to do with it? I think the teams remaining definitely have something to do with it. D'Amico Ryans is a very, very hot topic right now. You also have the Kansas City coordinators who are every year a hot topic. I don't necessarily think that the Cincinnati or Philadelphia coordinators are at that point yet where they're really going to get a ton of attention. And that's good for those teams. Those teams want to keep the staffs together as long as you can. But Uh, Whenever your team gets into the playoffs and makes a run like this, you're going to see coordinators get a lot of a lot of action and a lot of just attention from teams around the league trying to fill those vacancies, because I think the most important part about a coaching search is to not lock yourself in right away. You have to have an open mind. You can go into this if you're Denver and say, yeah, Sean Payton's our guy, but You can't just jump on Sean Payton if Sean Payton is the only name you've looked at. You do have to do a search and you have to do your due diligence to find the best fit for your program and your organization. And that's really what you have to find. You know, when Mike McCarthy was hired by the Cowboys, it looked like Mike McCarthy was probably the best and hottest name out there as a head coach. And that's what happened. Dallas hired Mike McCarthy almost instantly once they found out that they could. Well, Is Mike McCarthy the best coach that was hired uh, that offseason? I'm going to argue no. You know, this is a very, very interesting process. And I think there's a reason why you're not seeing those names recycled as much. I mean, the organization that just picked up Frank Reich without really doing their due diligence and and looking at vetting the names. It's Carolina. This is a team with offensive problems with very little offensive talent. And now, I mean... Is Sam Darnold your quarterback? Is Frank Reich really going to do this again? I mean, come on. Common sense would tell you the Panthers will go out and get another quarterback for Frank Reich to coach up. And certainly the options are there in the draft. Carolina has the uh, relatively higher pick, not one they could have their choice of the quarterbacks with, but certainly in launching distance to go and trade up and get one. Or there's guys, and we'll talk in the future about where we might think Derek Carr goes, where we might think... You know, it said Aaron Rodgers won't be traded within the conference. If he gets moved, it'll be to the, to the AFC. But you have to wonder, does Frank Reich run back the Carson Wentz experience and does Carolina call up Washington? That'll be an interesting thing to see how that all unfolds. But let me ask you this, too, before we move on to these conference games. If you are a team owner and there's all these great coordinators out there, Would you call up the New Orleans Saints and say, we'll give you our mid to late first round pick, maybe some extra draft capital and millions of dollars for the rights to have Sean Payton to then give millions of dollars to him and his coaching contract? It's it really comes down to whether or not you think Sean Payton's the last piece of the puzzle, because that's what it is. You can't afford to give up that kind of capital if you have work to be done. Arizona has work to be done. Arizona's not knocking on the door of, you know, a division title, let alone a Super Bowl. So, you know, yeah, I don't think it, it would be worth it for Arizona. But if you're a team like Denver, who's already invested quite a bit into the group you have on the field, you have two choices. You can either stick with it and keep going or you can bail out. But this is when you got to do it. So, yeah, you know what? If you're going to sink all your eggs into the Sean Payton basket, you know, I'm sure they can have success with it, especially because it looked like Russell Wilson found himself as soon as Nathaniel Hackett left. Now, I don't necessarily know if 
Sean Payton, if any coach, is really worth it. The idea of coaches being traded just isn't something that happens often. And I I do think there's something to be said about Sean Payton leaving the Saints. I know their situation wasn't necessarily great, and it shows with what the product was on the field. But, I mean, this is a... This is a guy in Sean Payton who's who's had success, but how many times has he really gotten a team over the top? And I think that's important to look at as well with the talent and rosters that he had, especially his last few years in New Orleans. Yeah, I think we made it a, a comparison on the show the other day of the Bills the last few years continuously getting to this point deep in the playoffs and then not showing up or the ball figuratively or literally bouncing their way. And that reminded me of the Saints from whatever 2016 you think of the minneapolis miracle they dropped to the vikings the year after or two years after you have the infamous no call pass interference game and just things them not being able to close out games but denver i mean obviously arizona's looked at with sean payton denver's one where he's linked to as well i'll throw out houston because we talk about the talent on the team with denver and how they seem Maybe they're a coach away, where a year ago we thought they were a quarterback away. Houston's a team that, what do they really have? They have a bunch of young guys that that still, to me, seem like clay that they could get molded, and Sean Payton will be able to come in and kind of build that roster out the way he wants, not with puzzle pieces from previous regimes. I think that's a great point, and I think it's really worth noting that where do coaches have the biggest impact? It's with, like you said, young, moldable players. Part of the reason why Brian Dable was able to come into New York and have a successful season this year with the Giants and turn them around and, you know, double their win total that Vegas had them set at as an over-under this year is because Dable either got guys there that fit what they were looking for culture-wise or he got them out. I mean, Kadarius Toney was a young guy, but the Giants' offense clicked better with him off the field. Kenny Galladay, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. He's overrated, whatever. The guy's got talent. He's a big body, and he made a lot of plays on a very talentless Detroit team with Matthew Stafford throwing the ball up to him. So to say Kenny Galladay just forgot how to play football is not true. He just didn't necessarily fit. And Brian Dable, instead of forcing him on the field, saw that, and he got his guy in Isaiah Hodgins off the Buffalo practice squad to come in there and be a starting wide receiver and their top wide receiver in a big playoff game against the Vikings on the road. So coaching definitely has a better impact when you have more less egos and more of those multiple guys that you can plug in and you can shape to fit your vision because they haven't necessarily found the identity that helps them stick in the league yet. Sean Payton can help them do that. I think Sean Payton although he can help a team like Houston, is it really worth it? I understand that they've had a coaching carousel rather than a quarterback carousel. I mean, they've gone through head coaches the way Indianapolis has gone through quarterbacks the last two years. And it's alarming as a coach, but maybe the stability is what they want. It just seems like too hefty of a price tag, especially because Houston, their first round pick is not going to be up for grabs in this deal. Yeah, Houston picking second overall but i believe they have an additional first round pick that maybe they negotiate with new orleans with obviously the the price was sort of leaked so to speak of 
it's a mid to late first. So maybe Houston, I think, forget exactly where their second first round pick is if it's more in the upper middle part of that first round. So maybe a pick swap in the future years, or maybe they get an extra second round back, something like that. But let's go into the meat of this weekend, conference championship weekend, first game up three o'clock Eastern time. The San Francisco 49ers will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles for the right to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I mean, we said at at the top of the show, these are two of the best teams. These are the two best teams in this conference. And they they match up very similar to me. These are two teams that play good defense. They have good to great running games. They have playmakers everywhere you look. The biggest discrepancy is where all eyes usually are anyway at the quarterback position. Jalen Hurts is probably MVP if he doesn't miss those couple of games with a shoulder injury. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, what else can we say about him? Hasn't lost the game as a starter. And that's in big part of the team around him in the system. But at the end of the day, he's not making mistakes. He's not losing the 49ers games. So I think it comes down to if Brock Purdy gets rattled, where even as good as the Dallas defense is, that didn't seem to overly happen last week. I mean, where where are you leaning right now in this game? I think you bringing up Dallas is a big point. Where do you see the Eagles defense and compared to Dallas's? Because I think outside of the NFC East, I think there's a pretty clear determination, but inside the NFC East, include that means Washington, Dallas, Philly, and New York. I think it's it's a legitimate argument and no one has the same answer. So I want to hear from a Colts fan, someone who is on the outside looking in at the NFC East. Who do you think is the better defense, Philadelphia or Dallas? I would probably lean, I think, the the momentum ability, I think, of the Eagles. I would lean slightly towards the Eagles, I think. I like their personnel grouping a little bit more. Their defensive, like Micah Parsons, if you take these two rosters, Micah Parsons is probably the best pass rusher individually, but the Eagles have such a deep rotation up front And Tom Brady in his prime, the biggest thing was generating pressure and getting him rattled. And the Eagles do that better than anybody in the league. And we talk about, well, they got Trevon Diggs down in Dallas. Darius Slay's not bad. James Bradbury, not bad. I'm going to say to you, and, you know, I I do, I think everybody outside of the NFC East, it feels like just praises the Dallas defense. And I think the Dallas secondary is actually fairly weak. I know a lot of people like Trevon Diggs, but Trevon Diggs is an interception machine. He takes a lot of chances and those chances oftentimes result in him getting burned. This is a guy who gives up. I believe he gave up more yards than any cornerback in the league. The guy is targeted as much as he is for a reason. And that's where those interceptions come from, but it also results in a lot of completions against him as well. So I think inside the NFC East, a lot of people would tell you that it is the Philadelphia defense. But outside of it, a lot of people say that the Dallas defense is better. And I think the big names and Micah Parsons 
and the other big names on that defensive line overshadow it. Because like you said, the Philadelphia defensive line has more depth. While Dallas has four or five guys that they could run out there and get after the quarterback, Philadelphia has eight or nine. Not to mention the fact that Philadelphia's secondary is significantly better than Dallas's. You have to go after cornerbacks and Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They have a couple of good safeties there in Philadelphia. And while the linebacker play is probably the weakest of you know, any of the units on this defense, they're still a fast, athletic, and talented group. And it says something when the best linebacker in college, Nakobe Dean, is not even able to get on the field due to the play of the linebackers for Philadelphia this season. It, it shows that they've just been a really good unit and they're really cohesive. They mesh well and they play very strong football. I think the way I'm leaning on this one is how does this defense stack up to Dallas's? I think they're better, which means in theory, San Francisco should have more problems. At the same time, though, what does Philadelphia do very well defensively? Let's get after the quarterback and pressure. San Francisco has everything to combat that between their offensive line, their weapons out of the backfield, and Debo Samuel. They literally have everything you could need just in terms of checkdowns, screen game, and protection. I mean, if you want, if you're going to win a game, this is the this is why you win it, and this is why, you know, I mean, if Trey Lance was what the 49ers thought Trey Lance was going to be this year, or even if Jimmy G is playing, I don't think there's as there's as much optimism as to where this game could go, because. The Eagles offense right now with Jalen Hurts at quarterback is worlds more talented than San Francisco. That's not the case if San Francisco has a different guy under center. And this is not disrespecting Brock Purdy. It's just he doesn't have the body of work to support it yet. Six games in the regular season is not enough. I understand he's done well in some playoff games, but I'll tell you right now, Brock Purdy did not have to go out there and make plays to win those football games. George Kittle made a miraculous catch. There wasn't pressure that the game was on the line for him in either of those games. You knew eventually San Francisco was going to blow out Seattle, and it never felt like Dallas was even going to move the football on San Francisco's defense, which I would argue is better than Philadelphia's, but the the disparity is not nearly as far apart as what the quarterback situation is. Yeah, that was the point I was going to bring up to you next. I mean, the 49ers offense has every chess piece you could want uh, to combat every different style of defense that they've played. I mean, how as talented as Philadelphia's defense is, a quick screen out to Christian McCaffrey, a quick check down to Debo Samuel running a, a flat route or George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, like these guys are some of the best in the league at just get them the ball and they're going to take it 60 yards. So. Eagles defense, as good as it is, is going to have a tough outing here. But flip it around then, and the Eagles offense, Jalen Hurts, I don't believe he's on any injury report, but he's playing Hurts still with that shoulder. Um, didn't always look like it uh, when he played against the Giants last week, but that's still going to be a factor because you got probable defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, coming after you. And this Niners defense, we talk about, Dallas and Philly. I mean, you got Fred Warner, Talanoa Hufunga is just burst onto the scene. You got some great players. I think maybe the best linebacker group with Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshair too for San Francisco. And that might be the key is AJ Brown and Devonta Smith are going to do their thing, but how well they can shut down 
you know, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, even if they can somewhat contain Jalen Hurts' running and, and try and make that as much of a non-factor as they can, as well as Dallas Goddard. And Brock Purdy might, again, not have to win the game for them. He might just have to not lose it. And, you know, with when you have a defense like that and weapons on offense, that's all you need. And that's why San Francisco is literally saying Brock Purdy hasn't given us a reason to go to anybody else. Because why go through the growing pains of another quarterback when you're literally proving that you can win with Brock Purdy right now? A guy who's on a rookie deal for three more years after this, San Francisco is in a great position. And if Brock Purdy shows he can continue to improve – under the teachings of Kyle Shanahan, they're in good shape. Yeah, San Francisco quarterback situation will be interesting to watch. I mean, if the 49ers end up winning the whole thing, does Brock Purdy stay the starter or do they turn the keys back over to Trey Lance? Garoppolo, a free agent, I think regardless of what happens, he likely moves on to another team, but that'll be interesting to see. It reminds me of the Eagles in 2017. Obviously Carson Wentz goes down with the injury. Nick Foles leads them on that Super Bowl run. And then it's back to Carson Wentz as the starter the following year. But Jalen Hurts, we mentioned he's playing hurt. How healthy is Patrick Mahomes as we go over to the AFC Championship game taking place 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday? Cincinnati Bengals will go to Burrowhead Stadium. I don't know if you saw any of that, Ben, oh, but I did. they'll take on the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey was not happy about that. I don't think Chris he, uh, Jones was either. No, they, and I'll tell you what, I don't know why Cincinnati feels the need to do this. I understand, you know, you know, three and against Mahomes, but why poke the bear? Why give them anything more to be motivated? Now, at the same time, I love it. You know why? Because if you're Kansas City and you need to use Burrowhead as motivation, what are you playing for? You're literally playing for a chance to get back to the Super Bowl. So you shouldn't even need this Burrowhead stuff as motivation. At the same time, it's all icing on the cake for Kansas City. Andy Reid came out and said Mahomes is playing. That leads me to believe no matter what, even if Mahomes is standing on one leg, he will be out there playing. I think Kansas City offensively, it is shown that Mahomes, it doesn't matter who's around him as long as he has Travis Kelsey and a couple of dynamic guys uh, in the back, out of the backfield or on the outside. He's going to find a way to get the ball to him. Kansas City's defense, though, is actually where I've been most impressed. And I think it's the big improvement that they have made really the last two years. Their offense was winning all of these shootouts. But, you know, the defense, you just thought to yourself, ah, if you could just get a couple of stops. Well, now they do more than just get a couple of stops. You're not seeing those wild shootouts anymore with Kansas City. They're either blowing you out or you hold them off the board. And I'll tell you what, Kansas City's pass rush has been great. Their secondary has been strong. And if they can get decent play out of their linebackers and jump out to an early lead, Cincinnati might find themselves in a little bit of trouble, especially if they start out slow. So as we know, the Bengals and Chiefs, they met in the AFC Championship game last year. I couldn't remember off the top of my head the last time we saw an instance like this, where it was the same two teams in the conference games two years in a row. So the Ravens and Patriots both met in the AFC championship game in 2011, 2012, the Patriot or yes, the Patriots won 2011 Ravens get their revenge a year later. 
Do you think that, and obviously the Bengals have had a very good recent streak against Patrick Mahomes. They beat them in the regular season at the end of 2021, the AFC Championship game last year, and then in the regular season earlier this year. So them starting to kind of get that swag and that confidence, some might argue that arrogance about them. How much do you think sort of just that history plays into it in a matchup like this with the stakes that this game has? The thing to look at with this, and I, I do remember those Baltimore New England AFC Championship games. I believe it was Billy Cundiff who missed the uh, late field goal, and that's what sent New England into the Super Bowl the one year. And then I think Justin Tucker was the one who helped them get the revenge the next year. But these two teams are fairly similar. I think the biggest glaring difference in terms of personnel would just be Tyreek Hill. Outside of that, fairly similar roster builds. The Mahomes injury is certainly alarming, but I do think that Cincinnati's defense and Kansas City's defense are both playing at higher levels right now. And again, I am still going to say this. Kansas City's secondary is better than Cincinnati's. I, I still will die on that hill that Cincinnati's secondary with Eli Apple is still not the strongest. So, I, I mean, it really, what's it going to come down to? Not necessarily the history, not necessarily Burrowhead. Really, how much does each team get up for this? Who gets up? Who wants it? Who's hungrier? And which defense is able to come away with the stops in key moments? There are going to be plenty of stops. There's going to be punts in this game. But who comes up with the stop in the big moment? And who comes away? with turning the ball over in the red zone who is which defense is able to get off the field when the game is tied late in the fourth quarter that's what it comes down to and they say offense wins games defense wins championships and it's championship season we'll see what lou and arumo outsider performance of the week last week in the divisional round complete just shut down the, the high-powered buffalo offense we'll see what he could do for the fourth time against patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs all right, Ben, you want to talk Super Bowl matchups? Yeah, there are just so many different ways, though, this can go, isn't it? How about we do this? Let's break this down. I'm thinking, because there's a matchup I want to see. There's what I think the best matchup would be. And then there's what I think is going to happen. So I'm going to start here. What do I want to see happen? I want to see the Eagles lose. As a Giants fan... I'm just going to be honest. I want to see Philadelphia lose. Automatically, I want to see San Francisco. And what would be the best matchup there? It's going to be the rematch of that Super Bowl in 2020, the last normal football game before the world seemed to stop during the pandemic. You know, that game was electric. It's Patrick Mahomes' only Super Bowl. You know Kyle Shanahan wants to get that back. And I mean, come on, Brock Purdy on the biggest stage. What's more fun to watch? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I want to see Mr. Irrelevant, the rookie, the third stringer come in and, and maybe lead his team to the promised land. But on the other side, on the AFC, I'm going to go with the Bengals because to me, they've been the team I've enjoyed watching the most last postseason. They go on this run almost out of nowhere. They fall to the Rams in the Super Bowl last year. So I would love to see that story of them kind of 
crawling back to the top of the mountain for another shot at it. And especially to the 49ers Bengals, this would not be a new Super Bowl matchup. Basically, the last time the Bengals were relevant in the NFL years and years and years ago, they came at the point where it was the Joe Montana dynasty in San Francisco. So it was great to see that. You know, I love the Cowboys Niners, just that historical element to it. And I'd love to see that sort of Super Bowl matchup as well. Yeah, I th- again, I don't think we can go wrong with any of these. Now, what do I think the best matchup's going to be? It has to be the two powerhouses here. I'm going Philadelphia and Kansas City, mostly because I would love to see a shootout between the two best offenses, and that is what we have here. While Cincinnati may have the better all-around offense in terms of their running back and wide receivers, Patrick Mahomes makes the difference, whether he's on one leg or not. And I'll tell you what, Philadelphia and Kansas City would be a whale of a game to watch. I think it would bring back memories of that Philadelphia-New England Super Bowl we saw, which I was very miserable during just because, again, Giants fan in Pennsylvania at the time, not wanting to see Philadelphia win their first Super Bowl, which they obviously went on to do. I think Kansas City, though, would bring a fantastic matchup defense strong enough to hold the Eagles in check enough the Eagles defense strong enough to hold Mahomes and company in check enough I think we'd see a good amount of points most of them coming in the second half but we'd have to really see two offensive minds really actually go at it and I think that would be easily the most exhilarating matchup of the four for my best matchup, I, I have the Eagles as well, but I'll stick with the Bengals on the AFC side. You look at a matchup like that and just the weapons everywhere, the offense, you know, you're talking Jamar Chase, you're talking Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, the running games, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and, and Joe Mixon and Samaje Perrine. And the defenses too. We talked about it earlier. The Eagles defense is loaded. The Bengals defense is shutting down dynamic offenses like it's no one's business. And this is a fresh matchup. You know, I said the Bengals and Niners played years and years and years ago. The Niners and Chiefs just played a few years ago. But, I mean, this would be an absolute just awesome matchup. I think an underrated part of it too, the uni matchup. I think you could go either way. I always look forward to that come Super Bowl time, who's wearing which jersey. I think either combo here, Eagles or Bengals in their home or aways would be a lot of fun to look at. And I want to just jump in front of you here, too, because we'll get into our picks then, what what ultimately we think will happen here. And I actually have Eagles Chiefs, a lot of the same reasons you just said. The Andy Reid Bowl would just be so much fun. I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, even on one leg, they finally exercise these demons that they have against the Bengals. And the Eagles are just flat out, they've been the best team all year. The Niners are great. But I just think, you know, these two teams are set up very similarly. Niners have a a great defense and a great running game. So do the Eagles. The difference is the 49ers are finally hitting the road. The Eagles get to stay cushy right there in Philadelphia. Yeah, Ryan, I think this is really funny, actually, because I have what you want to see as my picks here. I think it's going to be Cincinnati and Philadelphia. I think not necessarily that Mahomes and company don't get it done, but there's just something magical about what Cincinnati's been doing and the way they play for Joe Burrow. It's a ton of fun to watch. And for Philadelphia, I mean, what else is there to say? And I think ultimately this comes down to the quarterbacks. 
I'm going with a better quarterback. I understand that Brock Purdy hasn't lost you a game. I haven't seen him win me a game either. And Jalen Hurts has gone out and won games all year long with his legs and with his arm. He has improved his deep ball accuracy. He's improved his downfield vision. The turnovers aren't what they used to be. Now he's going to have a little bit more pressure in his face. And I think San Francisco's offensive line is better than Philadelphia's. So pressure will be a bigger problem for Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts has more experience. And I think he has better tools to deal with the rush, especially with his running game. I think Philadelphia is well coached enough to the point where they can deal with that pass rush with a few screens, a few draw plays. They have quick enough backs. And then you just run uh, Jalen Hurts on a few read options, and that'll slow the defensive ends down immediately. Yep. Funny how it works out. We're picking each other's matchups here. But look, any of these matchups, we're going to have two great games on Sunday. We're going to have a great Super Bowl. We need to just enjoy it because once we're through it all, it's going to be months until we get to watch football like this again. So let's live in the moment. Let's enjoy these games. Those are our picks. I mentioned at the top of the show, Dylan Mel, he's been on with us a few times. You can listen to his thoughts on this conference game and his picks. We'll have a post out, but go check out Running Up the Score podcast with Dylan Mel. Follow us on Instagram at Outsider Sports Network, on Twitter at Outsider Sports 3. Check us out TikTok and YouTube at Outsider Sports. Look them up, and we'll take you out. Again, new friend of the show, Taylor Gordy, giving us the new music. See you next week. I'm wide, know you fiend for the feel, and this real man dies for the shit I stand by. So I kinda turn you on seven months from July. Eat the pussy like a ride. When I met her, she was shy. Now it's hard to keep dry. Now we're first in the cry. Where the penny I supply, latest Gucci's and Fendi's. But first we got a vibe. Girl, my hand it kinda don't tell a seal or the slide. Keep it sim, tagging arrows through my heart. I can't lie. Must accuse it for I be the one who chased until we die. Look at You can do better. These times are hard, just let me go. Don't you settle for nothing more than